This is going to be my last lesson on this part here about the church, what they believed, what they taught. The title of this tonight is The Evidence is In. Everybody say, The Evidence is In. Really? The Evidence is In. You got to have the evidence. If you want to get convicted, you got to have some evidence. Amen. If I know, if I'm accusing Margot of being out partying all Saturday night, out clubbing in Vandalia, she's been at the Redwood and she was at Cages. She went down there to the full moon or whatever it was. I'm going to have to have some evidence in order to convict her. Otherwise, it's just an accusation. So we want to have some evidence tonight. So we're going to talk about the evidence being in. And we're going to try to get you out of here early. Anybody enjoying the presence of the Lord? You know, you got you to gotta have a break in your life. You got to have a break. You got to have place where you just stop and get a drink get at the watering hole you just can't go through life without taking a drink anybody go too long without taking a drink and your body gets what sick start to shake dehydrate whatever you got to have you got to have a drink you got to have hydration yeah which ones you want charts yes i got lots lots frank you gonna have enough you think Okay, so we're talking about the early church, and I want you to remember, and, and remember this, in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, they didn't have like 14 different churches or 42 different churches back in the New Testament times. There wasn't, you know, first apostolic, and there wasn't first of the church of the Nazarene, and there wasn't, you know, third assembly of God. There wasn't, uh, you know, Mount Moriah Baptist Church. There was one church that was birthed in Jerusalem. One church. Amen? Say one church. One church was birthed in Jerusalem. And we've already discussed already that that church preached the gospel. And that gospel included the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the three elements of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Okay? So tonight we're going to deal with the third element of the gospel, which is the resurrection part, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you're King James. If you're non-King James, it's Holy Spirit. Okay, if you're Spanish, it's the Spirit of Santos. There you go. Okay. Okay. So, looking at your chart here, it says the first evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is this. Speaking with other tongues. Speaking with other tongues. Now, I have encountered people that say... Do I have to speak in tongues to get to heaven? I say, why wouldn't you want to speak in tongues? I've been speaking in tongues 
almost 40 years. I know I don't look a day over 23. All right? I know that. I set up an online account a few weeks ago, and it was late at night. And I took a picture of myself, and I'm like, oh, my God. Look at those bloodshot eyes. Look at that. Look at there's more, there's more chins on, uh, on my face than there are in the Chinese neighborhood, you know? And I looked all saggy and old. I'm like, how can a 23-year-old look like this? <sighs> so for 40 years almost, I've been speaking in tongues. I've had people say, you don't have to speak in tongues to get the Holy Ghost. You, I have the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, well, apparently. And see, before I knew that other people believed like this, immediately I thought, if you say you got the Holy Spirit, then you're a tongue talker. So I'm like, oh, you speak in tongues. No, I don't know. I mean, I said that to one lady, and she, her, her, her hair about came off her head. So let's see what the Bible says. Evidence is in. Speaking with other tongues. The definition of evidence is this. Number one, as a noun, there's three things. That which tends to prove or disprove something. Ground for belief, proof. Second one, something that makes plain and clear an indication or a sign. He, his flush looked was visible evidence of his fever. And then the evidence is also law. Data presented to a court or jury in proof of the facts in issue and which may include the testimony of witnesses, records, documents, or objects. As a verb, we use with an object, it's evidenced or evidencing. So that means to make evident or clear, to show clearly, to manifest. He, is, he evidenced his approval by promising his full support. Or to support by evidence means that he, he evidenced his accusation with incriminating letters. So the evidence is the proof. So we want to talk about tonight, what is the proof of being filled and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say? Let's look. This is not on your chart. I threw this scripture in here. This is your bonus scripture for the night. It's not going to cost you any extra. Jesus said this in Mark 16, 15. This is red letter. Everybody say red. So when you see red in your Bible, that means it's important. That means the master said it, the big guy, the dog. He said it, okay? Right, Addison? That's right. He said it. Matthew 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. What is he saying here? If you go back to verse 15, it says, The gospel is preached to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Okay? So if you're a believer, these signs are going to follow you. First thing was, in my name, they'll cast out devils. The second thing was, they'll speak with new tongues. 
So I've had people say, I have the Holy Ghost, but I don't speak, with, speak in tongues. Well, I'm not sure. How, what? What are you saying? How does that happen? I believe that I personally that it is they're at a stage of believing and in repentance, okay, like Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, which we'll cover tonight, that have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They were believers. There are people, there are believers who have never received the Holy Spirit, okay? But there's also almost a billion in the world that have. Almost one out of seven have received the Holy Spirit speaking with tongues. But somebody will say, well, I, I, I have the Spirit, but I've never spoken in tongues. I don't think you have to. Well, how, how do you know you got it then? How do we know we got it? What was the sign? Okay, I felt good. Okay. If somebody walked in right now and said, here is the winning Powerball ticket for almost a billion dollars, how would you feel? You'd be all right? Would you feel good? You would feel good. You would feel incredible. In fact, I think that some of you would run an aisle. I think some of you, I can see Macy doing this, would run straight out the doors and outside and be dancing in the parking lot. No! She got a billion dollars. Because listen, we can pave the parking lot with a billion dollars. We can do this. Well, I felt good one time. Okay, so you took a shower. You worked all day in July or August, and it's hot, and you got sweat running all over you all day, and you go in, and you take your cold shower, and it feels so good. I, okay. You see what I'm saying? You can feel good. You can have happiness and joy, but that doesn't mean there's an indwelling of the Spirit there. There's a sign. So we're going to talk about the sign tonight. Let's go to the apostles. So Jesus said, these signs of the believer are cast out devils, speak with new tongues. You can't argue with the book, all right? You can't argue with the book. If it's in the Bible, you can't argue with it. Anybody ever try to argue with you that was in the Bible? Something was in the Bible? And then they get out, well, this author, John David Worley, wrote this book back in 1742. He wrote on the compromise of the early church and with the Continental Congress. And he says in this book that you did not speak in tongues when you received the Holy Ghost. But that's just a man's opinion. What does the book say? What does God's word say? Let's go there. Acts chapter 1, verse 13, the apostles. And when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. So the, the disciples are all in one place, the apostles. The apostles are the disciples. A disciple means one who is taught. An apostle means one who is sent. Okay? Notice all through the Gospels, they are called the 12 disciples. They are being taught by the Lord. But in Acts... When they receive the Holy Spirit, they are now sent to go and preach the gospel to every creature. They're sent, so now they're apostles. You got it? The disciples are apostles who are students who are now sent. Acts 2.4 And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues 
as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the King James. The NIV, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The New Living Translation, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Amplified, I'm trying to cover everybody's translation. And they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages, tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. So the disciples received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. It is the Spirit of Jesus coming into their lives. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. So there's 120, excuse me, 120 in the upper room ready to receive the Holy Spirit. How long did they wait there? Do you know? How many days? Huh? Ten. They waited ten. From the time Jesus was resurrected from the dead until he ascended into heaven was 40 days. He said to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. So they waited 10 days. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell. The word Pentecost means 50th. 40 days on earth, Jesus ascends. 10 days in the upper room, 50. 50th. Make sense? See how God does, God does every piece, every detail. God won't let you down. Every piece, every detail, he's going to cover. All right? You got things in your life you're trying to walk through, and it's not happening for you. These guys waited 10 days. So basically, let's just say they were in this auditorium here for 10 days. You know, every day or two, we'd have to send somebody out for pizzas and Pepsi. Going to Little Caesars. What? Little Caesars is closed. What? I cannot go out of town ever again. Is it closed for good? No way. Oh, my word. What are we going to do? We had to go to send somebody to Pizza Hut. It's going to cost us a little more to eat pizza in the upper room. Okay? What, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, if you think you've waited a long time, they were waited 10 days. They didn't know how long they were going to have to wait. Okay? We all want to talk about Daniel in the lion's den and how he was victorious. You think Daniel was happy when they were marching him to the lion's pit? I don't, I don't know. He was wondering where his miracle was. We all think it's awesome because we know the whole story. But when you're, when you're writing the story, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children, they didn't know they were going to come out of the fiery furnace alive. All they knew was 
when they saw they had heated it up seven times hotter and when they opened the doors to throw them in the guys who opened the doors were just vegetized they were nuclearized right there before their eyes and they're like these guys have just been consumed and we're getting ready to get thrown in there what am I saying sometimes you got to wait on the Lord and you got to trust him if he does he does if he doesn't he doesn't we're going to trust him amen so there's 120 they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance that's the upper room the disciples Mary the mother of Jesus the Samaritans let's look at the Samaritans Acts chapter 8 now you have three geo political and ethnicities ethnic groups during the Old Testament or New Testament times you have the Jews you have the Greek the uh, Gentiles and you have Samaritans okay now Samaritans are half Jew half Gentile and the Jews don't like them and the Gentiles don't like them okay so what is God gonna do here so everybody every person in every person in the upper room Jews and disciples mother Jesus were Jews at Pentecost now we go to Acts 8 and the Samaritans this next ethnic group are going to receive the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit Acts chapter 8 17 page 3 of your notes then laid they their hands on them that they received and they received the Holy Ghost and when Simon saw that through laying on of the Apostles hands the Holy Ghost was given he offered them money saying give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost but Peter said to him thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money now it does not say here specifically that the Samaritans spoke in tongues it only says that Simon saw when the Holy Ghost came on them okay so somebody might say well they got the Holy Ghost there but it doesn't say they spoke in tongues but there was a physical experience and evidence that they got it because Simon saw it all right now knowing how God works and God always works in order and in patterns if they received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues in uh, the day of Pentecost if they did that in Acts 2 if they received the uh, Holy Ghost in Acts 10 and spoke in tongues and in Acts 19 then I would venture to say that it's a good reason to believe that the Samaritans also spoke in tongues all right now this is bonus in your notes it's not on your chart but why Peter why Peter do you notice that it says in, and they had not yet received the Holy Ghost but when he laid his hands on them Peter had the keys to the kingdom okay Mark, Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 and I say also unto thee thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven what does the key do 
A key unlocks the door. A key opens it up, opens up the room, right? Peter received the keys back in Matthew because Jesus said, Who do men say I am? And Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, You're right. I'm going to build my church on that revelation. And I'm going to give you the keys, Peter, so you're going to unlock the door to my spirit for the Jews who preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter, you're going to unlock it for the Samaritans who laid hands on them in Acts chapter 8. Peter. And then in Acts chapter 10, he's going to do it for the Gentiles because Peter had the keys. They, in Samaria, they had not received the Holy Ghost yet. They were only baptized until Peter and John came, and that's when the Holy Ghost fell. Let's look at Cornelius, his family and friends. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? That's the Gentiles. That's us. Now, it was Cornelius. You know what nationality Cornelius was? He was a Gentile, but what nationality? Catherine Rossi. He was Italian. The Italians were the first to get the Holy Ghost in the Gentile clan. Mamma mia. The Lord put it on the Italians. They probably just went crazy. Man. So the Italians received the Holy Ghost. How? Verse 44, look at it. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. That's a preacher's dream. While you're speaking, the Holy Ghost just boom. How they know? How they know they got the Holy Ghost? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So here's a pattern. The Lord has set a pattern in place here. Let's look now at the disciples of John. John the Baptist's disciples, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You see, there's believers, but they have not yet received the Holy Ghost. There are going to be, you know, there are good people in the Baptist church. There are good people in the Catholic church. There are good people in the Nazarene church. There are good people in the Pentecost church. There are good people in the church of Christ. But not all of them receive the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. But they're still believers. They've lived a repentant life. They're disciplined. They read the Word. They walk with the Lord. They don't get into sin. And they're, to me, I, my hat is off to them. They're very disciplined. They're very disciplined because they read the Word, walk with the Lord, flee sin without the power in their lives. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Amen? And so, I'm thinking, it's a struggle for me at times 
to overcome things when I have the power, and these people overcome it, they don't have the power. So God wants you to be disciplined as well. God wants us to have some discipline in our lives. So he comes to these disciples. There's 12 of them all together. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not as much whether heard that there is any Holy Ghost. What are you talking What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And he said unto them, How were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. Paul said, Okay, John's barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So when John baptized you, you were being identified as a believer, believing that the Messiah was going to come. But now God has more for you. So God has more for you, and they say, okay, we don't even know what this Holy Ghost is. And so Paul explains to them, and he says, when they heard this, verse 5, page 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then they were baptized. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. How about that? Now, notice, notice that when Paul, when you first came to a church like this, if you came from a different church, did anybody ever think, what in the world are they laying hands on people? Why are they touching people? You think that, Nathan, why are they touching people? If you need a good laugh someday, have Catherine explain to you her first week or so at this church. She left the first time and swore to God she's never coming back. She said they're crazy. And that's going to be 10 years in May, isn't it? You're still here. Yep. What's going on? Why do you, so if you notice, in Acts, if you look back, so on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, the Holy Ghost filled the room, and they just started speaking in tongues. Okay? But the Samaritans, look back on page 3 of your notes, Acts eight seventeen. then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So when you, there are times when somebody's going to lay hands on you, and you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. All right? You lay hands on people when you pray for them. The Bible says in James, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Right? Anointing them with oil. Laying hands on them, anointing with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if there be any sins, then they shall be forgiven them. Acts chapter 10 Peter is preaching to Cornelius, and while he's speaking, the Holy Ghost has fallen. So there's no laying on hands there. It's just fallen. Why? Why, why is that? Because the faith of the people had connected with the Spirit of God. Ooh. Man, I'm, I'm ready to get to that point here. I'm ready to get to that point right here. I'm ready to get to the point where we have, have worship and people, the Holy Ghost just falls on people, and they just fall out. Now, I've laid hands on people, and when I lay hands on them, sometimes when I lay hands on them, they'll start speaking in tongues. Sometimes I lay hands on them, and the power of the Lord comes on them, and they fall on the floor, and as soon as they hit the floor, they're speaking in tongues. 
Sometimes people get baptized first and they get the Holy Ghost like they did in Acts chapter 19. They got baptized and got the Holy Ghost. In Acts 2, they had Pentecost, they got the Holy Ghost and got baptized. Doesn't matter, just so you get it done. Look at your neighbor and say, get her done. You guys have heard that before somewhere probably. Get her done. Okay? So, doesn't matter your posture. You can be sitting, you can be standing, you can be laying on the floor. The Holy Ghost will come on you. And so, Acts chapter 19, the disciples of John, Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. Okay, last window here on the middle of your chart. Let's talk about the good old Apostle Paul. He wrote over half the New Testament. Okay, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. This is the story of his conversion. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said brother Saul if I call you brother that's good because Saul got called brother brother Saul the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now, it does not say here, just like in Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans, that Paul received the Holy Ghost and then began to speak in tongues. It doesn't say that. It does say that he received the Spirit, laid on of hands of Ananias, the preacher, and then he went and got baptized. So, like I said... You've seen it here. People get baptized, get the Holy Ghost in the water. People get the Holy Ghost and they go get baptized. Okay? It doesn't matter. But look at 1 Corinthians. It's in your notes. Chapter 14, verse 18. Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Okay? So Paul was a tongue talker. He said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than you you all the amplified says this that same scripture first corinthians 14 18 i thank god that i speak in the strange tongues languages more than any of you or all of you put together and so when we say here that they received the holy ghost and they spoke with tongues A lot of people will say, oh, that is the gift of tongues. No, 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 it's different. This tongues is for evidence. The evidence is in. This tells you when you get the Spirit that the Spirit is in your life. Okay? The gift of tongues comes out of a a life living in the Spirit and is used in the body to strengthen the body. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, chapters 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, once you receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, okay, you can speak in tongues the rest of your days. In fact, God uses that to build up your spirit man. Because if you'll look, and we don't have time to go into it tonight, I've already taught on this before, 
It's on the podcast. If you want to pull it off the podcast, it's called the Ministry of Tongues, part one and part two. There's two different parts. The Ministry of Tongues now is not for a sign because you, the sign is you already got the Holy Ghost. You know you got the Holy Ghost. Okay? You know you got the Holy Ghost. Now tongues has become basically a workout program to build up your most holy faith when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude 120. To pray in the Spirit with all supplication and all the saints. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. To, to pray the perfect will of God. Romans 8, 26 through 28. So tongues, even though it's still there, it's not for a sign anymore because it's already been used for a sign in your life. Now it's a ministry. Now it helps you. It comes, it, the spirit, it comes from the Greek word para, paraclete, which means to come to the aid of, to come beside of, and to support. All right? So let's go down to the bottom of the chart. We'll get her done. Why? Did God choose tongues? Why? Why did he do this? Why did he do this? Couldn't there have been something simpler? Couldn't there have been something simpler? Why did God choose tongues? First one is this. God is sovereign. Okay? Which basically means God can do whatever he wants. How many of you are the boss at your job? All right, listen. How many of you live in the house? How many of you are the boss of the house? Okay, Frankie, you're the boss of the house. That means you can do whatever you want, right? God's the same way. We're not getting into who's the boss with married couples. We're just going to leave it at that. Because we don't have any counseling slots open tonight for marriage counseling. Okay. Whoever is the, whoever is the boss at your house can do whatever they want. When you have a new baby, that little baby that comes home from the hospital is the boss. Yes? Every two to three hours, we're getting up in the middle of the night and feeding the baby a bottle. When the baby's diaper is dirty and they're uncomfortable, they're crying, we take care of the diaper. When the baby is colicky and coughing and sick and we can't figure it out, we're putting everything in them. Motrin, Tylenol, we're rubbing their gums we're with, you know, Ambisol. We're giving them shots. No, we're not giving them shots. You know what I'm saying. We're doing everything we can. Why? Because that baby's the boss. That baby's the boss. So God is the boss. God is the boss of the church. God is the boss of the world. God is the boss. He's sovereign. He can choose whatever he wants. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13 says, New Living. Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? The Lord didn't ask any of us. Now, if he would have, I mean, we could probably, we think we could have made it a lot better. If he'd have just asked, you know, let me ask you this, and I'm not going to ask you this. I just want you to think about this. How about this? If everybody in the church lived for the Lord 
worshiped the Lord, was faithful to the Lord just like me, what kind of church would we be? I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at the flags on the back wall. Okay? That's something to think about tonight when you go home. See, earlier in the service, I was praying you go to sleep tonight. Now I hope that question keeps you awake all night. Pastor don't know what he wants, does he? All right. From the heart, the mouth speaks. From the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know how a person is on the inside by the words you hear coming out of their mouth. That's what they're going to tell you. If, if somebody you know has trouble with, with unforgiveness, they're going to tell you all the bad things that Margot did. And Pat. And Frankie. And you're going to conclude, Pastor must have some unforgiveness in his heart. Because he still holds a grudge against Margot, Pat, and Frankie. Out of the mouth comes what's in the heart. So when the Holy Ghost comes into your heart and those tongues start to fly, that means God just arrived. Amen. And he didn't just arrive for 10 or 15 minutes or 10 or 15 days. He arrived for a lifetime. That is a lifetime indwelling in your life, the Holy Spirit coming in. And you've got to do some pretty bad stuff to get the Holy Ghost to leave you. Okay? you got to do some bad stuff to get the Holy Ghost to leave you. All right, so from the heart to mouth speaks. So we know that when the tongues come, God's in the heart. Chief means of expression. Proverbs 18.20. King James. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life, have you ever heard this one? Are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So, our chief way to express ourselves is through our words. You know? Dottie, I'm glad to see you tonight. Glad you're here. Now, if I went like this, Did you, you know, I'm, I, I just signed to you that I'm glad to see you tonight. It did look like I lost it, didn't you? But when I, but when I, oh boy, that last part. But when I used my words, you understood. So words are a chief expression of how we feel. A chief expression of what we're thinking. So it's words. So God chose tongues. To express it. The New Living says, Proverbs 18, 20, 21 says it like this. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So be careful what you're saying. We got to get our mouths saved. All right. This one. The tongue is the most difficult member to control. 
The tongue is the most difficult member of our body to control. James. Now, James is also known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, you have the book of Proverbs, and in the New Testament, you have James. James 3, 5 says this. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish but no one can tame the tongue it is restless and evil full of deadly poison so what does God do so God takes the part of our body that we cannot control and he takes control when his spirit comes in our lives that was perfect that little perfect you see what I'm saying so the spirit comes in and takes control of the unruly member. Because even at the ripe old age of, that I am of 23, I can still say the wrong word. How about this? Maybe it may not be the wrong word, but it's your what? Tone. It's your tone. I say, Dottie, we're so glad to have you tonight. Now, I'm going to use the same words. Dottie, we're glad to have you tonight. Now, which did you feel more welcome? The first one. I said the same words. Just your tone. 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 My wife used to say, you have a tone. I said, I don't have a tone. I don't know what a tone is. And then one time I was with my mom, and I heard her tone. And I'm like, I do have a tone. That's where I get it from, my mom. My mom had a tone. I inherited the tone. All right. So we want to make sure that we allow God to control. So what does God do? He controls that member that we can't. And then, the last one, tongues are an obvious, external, uniform sign. Acts eleven fifteen, And as I began to speak, this is Peter talking to the council about what happened with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then I remembered, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Here Peter is referring to Acts 10, 44 through 46 at Cornelius' house. Once again, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word and believed. I heard the word. 
for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So, why did God choose tongues? Number one, God is sovereign. He doesn't ask anybody. He, that's what he put down. God has a plan. You've got to get in God's system. Amen? How many of you ever worked at McDonald's? Or Wendy's or somewhere? How many of you worked somewhere you had to wear a certain uniform? Okay. You've got to wear a certain uniform, right? Frank gets to wear the vest that's made out of six plastic bottles. And I look at that, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to see that, were they big bottles? Were they two liters? Were they 20 ounces? Where's the lids, the caps? You know? You got to wear, wherever you work, sometimes you're required to wear a uniform. Why? Because that's part of the system. It's the same way with God. His word's the system. We surrender to his word. So God is sovereign from the heart. The mouth will speak out what's in the heart. So we know that when God comes into the heart, into our lives, it's going to speak out the evidence of what's in the heart. It's the chief means of expression. We use words. We live by our words. It's the tongue. It's the most difficult part of the body to control. And it is an obvious external uniform sign. It works in India, it works in Africa, it works in Vandalia. Somebody gets the Holy Ghost in, in, in England, they speak in tongues. When Johnny Ty got the Holy Ghost, right over here, we had to ask him, are you speaking in a different language that you don't know? And he said, yes. Why? Because it was God taking his praise that's in his native language, and turn it into another tongue, another language. Amen. So that's what the early church believed. They believed in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, baptism, speaking with tongues.